Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ and then to be sanctuary to each other and express sanctuary to this city. And so for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. To introduce uh, Jackie Knapp, most of us know Jackie very well. Um, and uh, Jackie, we're so grateful that you are going to open the word to us today. And um, just to say, I mean, Jackie, we've known Jackie for, I think, three years now, isn't it? Two and a half, three yeah, years. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, it's been, it has been such a, a privilege to see Jackie navigate a lot of challenging times to be honest with you without you know disclosing anything too explicit um but i mean it's in those times isn't it that you really see the character of people when they go through difficult times and um jackie's very gifted she's got a lot of experience but i think the thing that i'm just i've been so impressed by is just your character Mm. and your humility and your tenacious endurance and courage Mm. to really trust the lord um in this new chapter where you're kind of vocationally making a real big change so on behalf of us we're so grateful that you put some energy and time into preparing and we're eager to hear from you so can we just welcome Jackie the next one All right, hello everyone. Uh, so <laughs> today, oh, oh there we go. It looks comfy. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking about living into the freedom of the resurrection. And I don't know about you guys, but there's always a bit of a letdown after Easter Sunday, like the Monday morning, and you wake up and you. I at least like want my whole news feed to be <laughs> to be changed and for all of the bad things to have gone away. Um, and we know that that's not reality. Um, so today we're going to be asking the question: Does the resurrection change our lives? And if so, how does it change our lives? Um, so. Recently, I spent some time in Jerusalem. Um, My brother and sister-in-law live there with their three little kids, and they do humanitarian work. And has anybody been to Jerusalem? Manette probably has a lot of stories. Anybody else been? Um, So it wasn't necessarily on my list of places to go. Um, I've gone two different times, one in 2019 and then one just in the last month. And I find it to be a pretty intense place. I think um, all of us would probably say that that's a perception we have of it. Um, And one reason is, is that you have all of these holy sites of three major religions crammed into literally a tiny space. The old city is less than one square mile and it has four different quarters in it. So you have the Armenian quarter, Muslim quarter, Jewish quarter, and Christian quarter. Um, So the picture on the end is from the Muslim markets. Um, And then this middle one is 
the Western Wall. And that is right on the edge of um, where the temple was and now the Dome of the Rock is. And that's one of the major um, holy sites for Muslims. And so everywhere you walk in the city, you see people wearing their religion. You hear the call to prayer. You watch people praying on the sidewalk. And then on Friday night um, at sunset, the entire city shuts down. Um, for Shabbat, which is the Jewish Sabbath, and the train doesn't run, and restaurants close, and so, yeah, all of this is just, like, a really interesting experience, um, and when I first went, I had just um, quit my job, as Tom had mentioned, and so it's like there's any place to have a bit of an existential crisis. It's like <laughs> Jerusalem, um, and so I was, like, a little, like, who am I? Where am I? And then... Um, my brother was at work and my sister-in-law was taking care of uh, my niece. And so I was sort of wandering around, uh, like visiting all these holy sites and not really going on the group tours and just, um, yeah, just wondering like, okay, what, why am I a Christian? And why, um, you know, what have I been a Muslim if I was raised in a Muslim family or Jewish if I was raised Jewish? Um, and so there's a bit of, I felt a bit of a pressure to like have a spiritual moment, um, but also like trying not to fake it because um, God's like, I don't like, why are you trying to perform? You're not with anyone. Like, what are you doing? Um, so um, I'm just going to show you a few pictures. Um, so yeah, I was at, I went to different holy sites and there's two different places um, where um, there is the sites of where Jesus um, was killed, um, crucified, and then buried. Um, so the first one's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and that was built in like thir or 326, like a long time ago. And so now on top of it is just like this huge church with tons of different spots and lots of icons and um, art. And it's just always like crowded with tons of people. Um, and then the second place is the garden tomb. And so this is set up where it's more like a garden and you can walk into um, this, you know, you see the opening of the tomb um, and you can sit and like actually look at what a tomb would look like. Um, and so those were um, two of the places I visited and um, yeah, just sort of sitting there and just waiting and seeing um, what God would do in my heart and if anything. Um, and so I was sitting at the garden tomb um, and there was like a moment of peace when all the tour groups kind of were gone, um, stopped taking pictures outside of the tomb and I was just sitting there. Um, and I think there's just a moment where it was like, it was almost like a visceral uh, reaction and really felt the word freedom um, kind of coming out of my spirit and um, yeah, just imagining Jesus actually coming out of, coming out of the tomb and the rock not being there and um, him being alive. And yeah, the word freedom uh, was just spoken in my spirit and in my soul. Um, and the words in John eight, so if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Um, and really felt that God inviting me again into a life of freedom um, 
and I think being in Jerusalem and you're just watching people um, do all these rituals all of the time um, and, and the freedom that Christ invites us into, into a whole new way of living. Um, so, so yeah, I was thankful for that experience and um, thankful for that word. Um, and so in the past month, um, just really been thinking about uh, what freedom does the resurrection bring in our lives? Um, why does it matter that Jesus didn't stay dead, <laughs> that death didn't have the last laugh? So if you were to go out on the streets of San Francisco and ask people what the word freedom means, what would they say? Just like the average person. Just give me a few, few answers. Yeah, be who I want to be. Yeah. Say what I want to say. Yeah. Yep. Maybe more like freedom, like from oppression. Yeah. I guess like slavery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 For sure. San Francisco, Berkeley is the home of free speech. Yeah. But San Francisco is also the home of sexual freedom. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot about. Right. Free love. And like, there's a circle. <laughs> yes. See more naked people here than anywhere else in the world. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, and it all sounds good in theory, right? Like all of that sounds like, oh, yeah, do what you want, be who you want. Um, and yet we know when that line of thinking is continued to the end, it actually doesn't, in the end, bring around about freedom. Um, I've been thinking just about Putin right now, and it's just like, it's incredible the amount of power um, that he has, um, and that's like unchecked power and unchecked freedom, but it's leading to this horrible end. And so we know that it's not just about being able to do what we want, um, that unchecked desire, responsibility to nobody, no sins of right and wrong, doesn't actually lead to human flourishing. Um, when humans start acting like gods, that doesn't actually um, go to good things. Um, so the Bible offers us a different approach to freedom um, and one that is a bit more nuanced than do whatever you want. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the freedoms we experience because of the resurrection. Um, There's a lot of different ways to answer this question. Um, We're going to talk about like three main ones today. Um, So can someone read that? This is from 2 Corinthians. So let me read that verse. Verses. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Read this one. <laughs> Christ controls us because we have concluded that, concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all. And those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I think what we're seeing from this passage is that um, there's a freedom to say that your best life isn't one that's just lived for yourself. Um, 
And there's actually a tremendous freedom that comes when we admit that we need help coming to God. Um, I think, you know, we look around and like we see how hard everyone in this um, city works. Um, and there's a lot of good that comes from that, but there's also a lot of exhaustion and there's a lot of um, burnout and yeah, just people that are actually really unhealthy. Um, and I think we can see that a lot in our spiritual lives too, when we are trying to work ourselves to God. And so there's a freedom that comes um, when Jesus intervened and said, like, you guys, you're not cutting it. It's not happening. And um, that part of the essence of Christianity is actually admitting that we need help. Um, and so, yeah, that's just one thing to start chewing on is how much do I live like I need help? Um, am I willing to ask for help? Um, again, this is pretty countercultural. Uh, it's not really seen as strength. It's seen as weakness. Um, but this is one of the most beautiful things about Christianity is that um, help was given um, in a love that we cannot comprehend. Um, and so this is what gives us the power to admit that we're wrong and to offer forgiveness and to see the humanity in everyone. It's like the greatest equalizer um, when we're saying, I can't work my way to God, I need help. Um, so this, this gives us the freedom to become the right size in our story um, that when we look at the whole of scripture, um, God's story makes us just the right size. Um, and again, we see kind of the two side rails that this can fall off of like, I'm the most important person in the world, or like, I don't matter at all. Um, and so God's story brings us to this beautiful center of um, that, no, you're not the most important person in the world, but that you do matter. Um, and so we're freed into being in a story that's a lot bigger than we are. And we're freed into the adventure of walking with the creator of the universe um, to being a beloved creature. And so that right sizes us. Um, so that's the first one I wanted to talk about. And okay, the second one, we're gonna talk about this passage a little bit. Can someone read that one? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life may not be manifested in our bodies. Yeah. So this is the one I've kind of been wrestling with God about this week and not really wanting to talk about. Um, but it just kept coming up again and again. Um, and so kind of the summary is that we have the freedom to engage both the death and the resurrection of our stories. Um, I think sometimes with Easter, it's easy to focus on the happy ending. Um, 
and I am definitely like a happy ending sort of a person, <laughs> um, like a resurrection kind of a person. I don't love the conflict. I like kind of want to skip movies to the end and just see what, you know, the happiness, um, like the sparkles and the party and all of that. Um, and so a lot of the last few years has been to engage um, with death, which sounds sort of morbid, um, but yeah, more than death, but pain. And I think um, that God keeps bringing this back. Um, you know, it's this paradox that we have to hold um, that the story of Jesus and then the story in our own lives is death and rebirth. Um, it's not either or, it's both and. Uh, and we don't get to the good stuff without going through the painful. Um, but I think what's really neat about reflecting on this is that Jesus isn't asking us to go where he hasn't gone. Um, this isn't just some God in the heavens in a mansion, like being fanned and fed grapes, um, but that he took on the worst of the human experience. Um, and that is the person that's walking you through your pain. Um, the God that was traumatized is walking you through your trauma. The God who was shamed is walking you through your shame. And this God is offering you a second chance at your biggest regrets and your biggest mistakes. Um, and so, yeah, I guess for, for those of us who might not want to deal with the pain and the death of our stories, um, just wanting you to hear those words again, um, that God... Um, yeah, Jesus isn't asking you to go where he hasn't gone. Um, so, so that's the second one. And then the third one. Somebody read that one. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal yeah so this one is about freedom from death and despair having the last laugh um, and I love like a good backstory. Like I really love like an origin story or um, any of that. And I love um, behind the scenes. And so as we think about um, the story of what's happening in the world, I think what brings me so much hope is the backstory and what's happening behind the scenes that we don't see right now. Um, and I think when we really ingest this, then the phrase joyful defiance against despair um, has been coming up. Um, I don't know if anybody is random, but if anybody, there's a interview um, that John Batiste did um, after he won all these Grammys um, and him and his, girl, his girlfriend of uh, a long time revealed that they had gotten married um, secretly uh, she has leukemia and so they had gotten married like the day before she had to go back into the hospital for a bone marrow transplant um, and 
it wasn't it wasn't looking good for her. Um, and he used the word defiance um, and hope. And I really really love that picture of um, that. As Christians, um, even though death is still happening, um, that despair does not have to have the last word. Um, and yeah, I, I think that Christians can be actually the most realistic people in the world, um, and the most you know we can be the most honest about um, the hard things. Um, and then there's this hope that comes when we see that this isn't, this isn't the end of the story. Um, and so even when death has a laugh now, it's never uh, the last laugh. Um, so those are just a few reflections. And I think what I was really excited about today was for all of you to have some time um, to think about uh, what is God's invitation to you in this season? Um, and yeah, the word invitation has just been echoing to me as I've been prepping this and imagining your faces. Um, and so I, it's, you know, it feels a little weird, but I just want you to close your eyes really quick. <laughs> um, and I want you to imagine that Jesus is holding out a hand to you and inviting you into the freedom and adventure of a new life. And what does his face look like to you? And what are you feeling? Um, are you nervous? Are you scared? Because um, you do have a choice. You don't have to say yes. That you're invited into asking for help, into engaging the painful parts of your story, into admitting that you are wrong when you're wrong. Maybe you're being invited into defying despair. And he is saying that if you accept this invitation, your life may get more wild and unpredictable and heartbreaking. And there's some things that may have to die Some things you might have to let go of. And you may need to let go of some of the comfortable ways you've been living. It will be painful, but infinitely less boring and infinitely more beautiful. So will you say yes? All right, you can open your eyes. And in a little bit, you're going to have some more time to process maybe what God is speaking to you in this moment or in this season. Um, 
but I just wanted to share a few of the invitations that I feel God has been putting on my heart in the last um, while, just to kind of give some examples um, of this. So I'll be sharing three different invitations um, and then also some practices that I'm trying to use so that I'm actually working some of this out because I think sometimes it's easy just to be in theory and like yes on a Sunday like rah rah I'm going to do this and then it's like again Monday morning you're like I don't know who I am or where I am or what I'm supposed to be doing so um so yeah in our reflection we're also going to be thinking about like what are the practices that would actually help me live this out um so um the pictures, some of the two of the pictures I'm going to share come um, from this book, which is just a really simple book of visual prayers, which I've been appreciating. Um, and I also want to say, like, these are curated, um, so you in no way have to have like things tightly said or um, you know really thought through um, as you're thinking about your your things. Um, so. Um, all right, so this is the first one, and it's called, or the meditation that comes along with it is, may I be too engaged in risking my own failures to criticize the failures of others? Um, and so, yeah, so since I met everyone in this room, um, like I mentioned, I went through a job resignation and a career change, and just really feel like God is inviting me into a season of risk. I'm not naturally a risk taker, um, so that is a scary place for me to be. Um, but I think, yeah, this is the season, um, and different people have spoken over my lives, life at different times, um, saying faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and then someone else said creativity is spelled R-I-S-K, and God just used both of those things um, I'm also trying to make it as an artist, um, so it's just yeah, it's been a it's been a scary season, um, but I think one of the things that I've noticed is that um, in my worst self, I am judgmental and I'm obsessed about what people think about me, or I like think about what people think about me a lot, um, but when I'm engaging in the risk that I'm called to, I'm actually, I don't have time. I don't really care. Like I'm just not nearly as critical. Um, so I think this is, this is one of the invitations of this season. Um, and so practice wise, I think every time I'm like noticing that I'm jealous or judgmental or being petty, um, I'm trying to ask the question like, which is kind of deep, but it's like, are you engaging in your calling? Um, because if you are, then you're just not going to care about all of this. Um, so that's like one of the practices that I'm engaging in. Um, so the second one um, is not from this book. It's from an, another book. This is Scott Erickson. Um, and these are his words um, that go along with this picture. Um, he says, love wants to pour itself out into you, but you can't receive love if you secretly hate who love made you to be. Because this is the only container you, that you've been given to receive love in. And if all you're trying to do is switch this out, love will always fall flat. Um, so the prayer is, may I see the goodness in how love made me instead of hating myself. Um, 
And I think, again, like my worst self, I think this comes out in a million ways um, and there's a lot of layers to it, but at the core of it is a script that says, I am flawed and unlovable. Um, that in my worst moments, I say things to myself that I would not say like to my worst enemy. Um, and so this is, this is like years and years of work um, in my life. But um, yeah, the, the, the invitation for this season is, um, is to say like love, love made me um, and can I see the goodness in that? Um, and so I was working with a spiritual director and he's like, yeah, there's like a lot you need to work on here. I'm like, yeah. Um, uh, and so as far as practice goes, he gave me this practice, which again, feels very San Francisco. Um, but it's like, I want you to put your hand on your heart whenever you're like starting downward spiral. Um, and to say, um, I am held. I am safe, I am known, and I am loved. Um, and yeah, no, it feels a little hokey to be honest, but um, I'm trying, I am really trying to practice that and to, um, and to like actually connect with my actual body. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that this is like years, like God's been inviting me into this for years and years. Um, so there's no perfection, but um, I think there is some healing. Um, and the other practices I'm doing along with this are um, hiking and yoga and walking and like being in my body, um, like actually sitting with God. Um, so that's the second one. And then the third one is May I have the courage and vision to join the divine in the places it's already working rather than feeling responsible for bringing it. Um, yeah, and I just love this picture of like flying and the bird is way bigger than the person. Um, along with my worst version of myself um, feeling unloved, it's also um, I like to help and I like to fix. And I think um, a lot of the trying to earn love is through helping and fixing things. Um, and so because of that, my default response, if anyone asks me to do something, is to say yes. Um, and... You know, some of you, your default response is to say no. Who, who are the no people in here? No people? Yes people? Who's yes? Oh, more yes people. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, this has just taken me down some paths where I have gotten incredibly burnt out um, and not really functional. And so something really had to change. Um, and I think when I started digging into it and working with, um, again, the spiritual director, um, this is one of the things that we start working on is pausing before I say yes and asking, uh, God, is this the work that you have for me to do right now? Even if this is a legitimate need, even if this is something really important, is this what you're asking me to do right now? And do I have this to give? Because um, I would never ask those questions and... Um, learning it really, really, really the hard way. Um, so yeah, uh, another practice with this is just like learning silence and learning solitude, all those contemplative things that I never 
uh, learned in my 20s, most of my 30s. I was just going, going, going. And so to sit and be alone with God and to be silent and not to have anything to show for that um, really wasn't my jam. Um, so I'm really trying to learn presence um, and solitude. Um, so those are a few examples. And then the last one, um, Okay, these joyful acts of defiance against despair. <laughs> um, so I got this text from my friend the other day who, just to give you a picture, is like a very straight-laced IT guy, um, but does have a secret love for musicals. <laughs> and so he sent me this text. I think it was when, like, the invasion in Ukraine was, like, just getting crazy. Um, and he says, I find today in the midst of the heaviness due to a lot of horrible things going on in the world, Maggie Rogers and dancing wildly by myself in front of my computer is what I need. <laughs> um, and I, it's like one of my favorite texts I've ever gotten, I think. Um, and so, yeah, what is your joyful acts of defiance against despair? Um, I also... It's like a really good sign when I can dance. Um, that's like a really good sign of freedom in my life. I will not push the dancing on you, um, but you will have to pick one joyful act of defiance against despair to do this week. Um, and so, yeah, if you're feeling like, you know what, I have nothing right now, like despair, I'm like barely hanging on, um, then maybe yours can be like, I'm going to go stick my face in the sun for five minutes and say one thing I'm grateful for. And like, that's it. That's all you have this week. Um, but I want you, yeah, just to start thinking like, okay, what what would it be to live into um that, yeah, we know that there's a bigger story going on. How do we practice this um, in our actual lives? Um, so, 